I see someone's a little premature in their, their uh, prediction here today. Uh, the hat, the hat is, is well received. Uh, the broom, not so much. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Get your picture now. That's it. <laughs> this, uh, this oh, we'll leave that there for you. Uh, uh, it's so, so good to see uh, each of you here today. Uh, most of you know we've been studying. Whoa, that was my water, wasn't it? Uh, wow. Oh, thanks, Cardinal fan. Uh, you got to put it back on. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 it's on camera. You missed your shot, buddy. Uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, you stole my punchline for later. Uh, <laughs> uh, most of you know we've been studying the book of Habakkuk uh, this uh, past a few days, uh, past few weeks. Uh, uh, how's that been for you? Uh, I, I know many of you have sent uh, messages to me, said this, this has really been scratching where I itch. This is uh, this this hits home uh, for some of you. You've shared with me. This has given you permission to wrestle with difficult stuff. And uh, there, there's sometimes in the church a sense that that we're not allowed to doubt or question or wrestle with God. And so I, I've gotten some some wonderful messages from you about that. And and many of you said you you love the diagram. Uh, that that really just spells things out in a way that helps you understand. I'm, I'm so, I, I just hope that you have received hope uh, for uh, the times when you're wrestling with God in, in difficult circumstances, which I know some of you are, are doing even now. Um, and and that's, that's really what Habakkuk has been doing, right? I mean, in chapter one, Habakkuk, a, a prophet of God, uh, expressed his distaste for what he was seeing in the lives of the so-called people of God, how they were living for themselves, uh, their corruption, the uh, violence, the lack of justice. Um, and he cried out to God, God, where are you at in all of this? What, what, why aren't you doing something, God? And, and if you remember, God responded, uh, but it wasn't the response that Habakkuk was looking for. Uh, he, God uh, spoke to him and said, look, I see the corruption. I see everything you see. And I do intend to do something about it. Um, in fact, I'm going to send my judgment on my own people and I'm going to use the Babylonians to do it. And Habakkuk didn't like that response. He was confused. What are you talking about, God? They're even more evil than we are. That doesn't seem fair. And yet in the midst of his doubting and questioning of God, Habakkuk still uh, expressed faith, still expressed faith in God uh, despite uh, his questions and his doubts. And he clung to God even though he didn't know what God was up to. And, and remember, then I introduced this uh, diagram uh, to you in week one. Um, it's, a, it's a diagram, kind of a snapshot of someone's, at least a part of most people's uh, spiritual journeys uh, where you start off far from God uh, not living a life uh, for God, you're, you're living a life for yourself, and yet somehow, some way, in the midst of your life circumstances, God draws you to himself, brings you closer, uh, you begin to experience the presence of God in your life in, in different ways, and you come to a point of surrendering your heart to God, giving uh, God your, your faith, um, receiving his grace and his mercy, and, and you, you know, you're on cloud nine. 
God is all the more real and present in your life. You, uh, every sermon is just for you. you. Your prayers are being answered. Uh, you're, you're, just, uh, you're, you're just floating with God. And that could last days, weeks, months, years, it, it, a good portion of your life possibly. But most people then experience at some point in their journey of faith, some doubts creep in. Some difficult circumstances um, uh, come into your life. Maybe a loved one dies and you wonder, God, where were you at in the midst of that? Uh, you see injustice in this world and, and you become disillusioned. You, uh, you have some intellectual barriers. Whatever it is, you, you begin to question God's presence in your life and you get to a critical juncture. And at this critical juncture, you, you question God. And, and this is where uh, Habakkuk was in, this is Habakkuk, this is chapter one. This is where he's at, and he had some choices. He, he could have uh, abandoned God completely and gone back to living a life of what it was like before God had, had entered his reality. Uh, or he could have you know, swept those difficult questions under the rug, just ignored everything that he was seeing as a problem in this world, and, and just kind of lived on a false, a false uh, uh, cloud nine. Uh, just ignoring the difficult stuff. Or he could do what he ultimately did, and that is trust in God even though he doesn't know exactly where that leads and cling to God in the midst of the difficulties, remain obedient to God in the midst of the difficult circumstances. And, and, and that's uh, where we find ourselves a lot of times too, uh, needing to uh, deal with those choices. That's chapter one. Uh, but last week, uh, we learned that despite trusting in God, Habakkuk experienced things getting more difficult ever before they got better. Um, and we, we learned that oftentimes things do get worse before they get better when we cling to God, when we remain obedient to him and, and faithful. And we learned uh, that that's what Habakkuk did, and yet he found himself in this dip. This is chapter two of Habakkuk. And we learned what, what you do in the dip. Uh, uh, we learn that you, you stop and you listen for God's voice. You, you, you just see what, what God might be up to by stepping back from the situation. Um, uh, you record what God speaks to your heart during that time so that you can remember and cling to that in the future as well as, as share what God is doing with others in the midst of that. And then ultimately you uh, practice the, the four-letter word, wait. You wait patiently for what God is doing. And that's chapter two. Now get this, even though things on the outside aren't getting any better, as Habakkuk is waiting on God, and in chapter three, which is where we're moving and uh, today, uh, we're going to see something amazing. And that is, even though the circumstances on the outside do not change, Habakkuk's faith in God goes to a new level. And we'll, we'll uh, learn this today in chapter three. But this, this is an overarching biblical principle that, that uh, is an important one to remember, especially in the times of difficulty, about trusting God and embracing him during difficult times. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the best passages in all of, of scripture is this, uh, this principle is captured in James chapter one, uh, right, right at the very beginning. Uh, where the scriptures say, dear brothers and sisters, wh whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. 
For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. You know, deep faith and trust in God are always, always born out of difficult and challenging times. There are a lot of people that I speak to who long to have this kind of faith and trust and intimacy in their relationship with God um, and, and yet don't understand that God oftentimes uses the dips in our lives to prove his faithfulness and bring us to those new levels of trust and intimacy. Um, so the question I want to answer today is, how, how do we develop the kind of faith, this kind of faith, when we're presently in the dip and we don't know if we have any faith? How, how do we find faith when we have none? Punchline, pertinent for Cubs fans right about now. Um, yeah, thanks for the tissues too. I, I, I really appreciate that. I'm pulling for the brewers, just so you know. <laughs> well, that's, that's our question for the, here's another way of framing the question. How do we move to chapter three faith when we're presently in chapter two? Uh, that's, that's what we're going to wrestle with today. So let's, let's start by, by looking at the first couple of verses of, of chapter 3. Um, this is Habakkuk. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Now, I think it's important to note that, that this is a prayer that Habakkuk wrote and is singing. This isn't in your, your message notes, uh, which I encourage you to follow along with. There's at least a couple blanks uh, to fill in. Um, I didn't include this in there, but, but if you're struggling and you're looking for faith, singing to God. Offering praises of your lips it can be a truly important avenue to finding your faith again. Uh, we, we know from chapters 1 and 2 that Habakkuk is still wrestling with God. And yet despite that, in chapter 3, he's singing to God. He's worshiping God. And, and yet I, I, I find this is, this is what I find much more often um, more often I find that people tend to avoid worshiping God, especially with their lips uh, and singing praises to God when, when they're struggling. But that's the opposite of what we need to do when we're grasping for faith in a difficult time. We need to come before him and worship him. In fact, starting next month, we're going to begin meeting monthly as a church uh, for worship and prayer nights. Uh, we'll sing together and, and pray for the future of our church, the effectiveness of our mission, and just trust that, that God is going to move mountains in our lives and, and revive our hearts. And everyone is invited to participate as we will we'll spend the first part of our time singing. I mean, just singing uh, uh, praises, crying out to God with our lips. Um, and then the second half of our time, we'll, we'll have some time of guided prayer. It, it won't, you know, we're not asking you to pray out loud or do anything that you'd be uncomfortable with. Just, just some guided prayer. Um, 
And in our first worship and prayer night, which you can read about in, in this bulletin insert um, on the back, the flip side, uh, will be held here in the Family Life Center uh, on Wednesday, uh, October 9th at 6.30 p.m. Um, and each gathering will be about an hour or less. Uh, and there will be children's activities uh, for, for kids uh, in the children's ministry area. So that will be available. But, but singing, singing to God, it grows our faith. But let's look at the content of what Habakkuk is singing here. You know, he's, he's singing, uh, I mean, more or less he's saying, God, I, I'm, I'm filled with awe at, at your works. Would you do them again in our time? R remember what you've done and, and do it for us again. And, and even though, Lord, even though you're rightfully angry, save us. Remember your mercy. Now, I, I want to look at the next verse, verse 3. And, and verse 3 really is a summary of, of the next, you know, 10 or 12 verses or so. Uh, and biblical scholars are not 100% sure um, about verse 3 and, and what's following, if this is exclusively stuff that's happened in the past or if this is somehow uh, anticipating what God might do in the future. I tend to think it's, it's a little bit of both. There's very clear evidence that these are events that happened in the past, and yet uh, there's, there's just some ambiguity to it, enough ambiguity that says, wow, okay, God might, God might do this again in the future. Um, and my sense is uh, that that's what's going on. But, but if you're trying to find faith when you have none, you, you need to do what Habakkuk is doing, and that is remember. Remember what God has done. Now, the way Habakkuk is doing this is he's uh, going to recall some very tangible and specific things that will trigger for him spiritual memories uh, because things can trigger memories. Uh, you know this, don't you? Uh, for example, smells. Smells can trigger memories. Um, uh, maybe it's a particular perfume or cologne that reminds you of someone. Um, I had an example of a triggering smell the other week at a, at a hotel. I was in a, in a game room, uh, you know, just big buck hunter or something like that. I enjoy playing that. Anyway, uh, I, I, was play, I was playing that, and, and it was just kind of a dark, dank, damp room, you know, like where the air conditioner is pumping out, but it's just moist. And, and I just got this whiff of must, this musty smell, and it totally reminded me of my cellar, my basement growing up. And I was immediately taken back in my mind to some of the rooms uh, that we played in when I was a, a kid in our, in our old basement. And, and I, I'm not sure, but I don't think that's what the hotel was shooting for. Uh, Come stay with us. It'll remind you of sleeping in your cellar. Uh, but, uh, but, but smells, smells can trigger memories. Uh, songs can trigger memories too, can't they? Uh, uh, you know, when, whenever I hear uh, the Steve Miller band, uh, one, one of the Steve Miller band songs come on, I, I am immediately taken back to uh, riding in my dad's work van with him. Um, I, I don't know, it's kind of a uh, flashback, you see, and some of you may not know this, I need to describe this for you. They used to have these little plastic things uh, that if you put it into this slot in your radio, and it would play music. Uh, I think they were called cassette tapes or something. So, you know, look it up sometime. It was, it was really cool. But um, the only little plastic things that my dad had in his van uh, were 
it had Steve Miller band written on them. So whenever, whenever it's like fly like an eagle comes on, I'm think I'm like right there in my dad's uh, work van uh, with him. Uh, great memories. But but here's another example. Whenever I hear uh, the the Billy Joel song, uh, "Just the Way You Are," uh, I I think back to seven thousand and one days ago. Uh, when I had the first dance with my wife at, uh, as a married couple. That was, that, that's right, uh, yesterday was seven, our 7,000 day anniversary. Uh, don't, don't ask me how, how I knew that, <laughs> but, but it, was, it was our seventh day anniversary. But you get the idea, right? Smells, songs, they can trigger memories. So can places. Places can trigger memories too. That's what Habakkuk is remembering. Let, let me read to you uh, what this is all about. Verse three. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. You know, the actual translation says, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Uh, what, what, what are Taman and Mount Paran? They're not places that trigger any memories for us, I'm sure, uh, but, but they did for Habakkuk. Uh, Mount Paran is oftentimes associated with Mount Sinai, the place where God's presence came and, and God gave the, the law of Moses to Moses like a thousand years before Habakkuk wrote this. And, and Taman is the area just south of Israel, uh, which, in, uh, which is why it's translated Edom, because that was the nation that was there, but, but Taman was another name for that area. It was south of Israel, south of the promised land. Now, what's interesting is this, is that uh, before God gave the law to Moses, uh, something pretty miraculous happened. Uh, God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And, and Habakkuk, if you read the next few verses, it's, there's definitely some references to that. It was the most powerful thing that God had, had done in uh, the lives of God's people up to that point in history. And God had uh, led them at, by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud of smoke by day uh, to Mount Sinai. And then after Mount Sinai, uh, through the wilderness, through Taman, Edom, into the promised land. Uh, there was a rough path of God leading his people to their present home after delivering them from bondage. So what Habakkuk is doing here is he's remembering some of God's greatest acts of power on behalf of his people. He's remembering how God had delivered them from generations of bondage and slavery and then by his presence led them to his holy mountain and through the wilderness into the land that he had promised uh, his ancestors generations before that. Habakkuk was remembering and reflecting on God's mighty acts and anticipating him, him doing it again. And that, that's, that's really what the next 12 verses or so are all about. But I wanna make this real uh, for, for our time. If you want to find faith when, when you're really struggling, when you're in the dip, you've gotta remember what God has already done. Well, let me give you some examples from my own life. Um, here are some, some specific instances in my past that I regularly reflect on when I'm going through difficult times. Um, I, 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 I think about July 18th of 1990, 
which was the, the day that God made himself real to me and I surrendered my heart to him. That, that, that was the day that God showed up powerfully in my heart. Even as a 13-year-old, I still remember the power of, of, of God's presence in my life. And, and, and I think on those times, uh, I'll never forget the power of that moment. You know, I oftentimes think about the early spring of 1998 when I responded to God's call on, in my heart to forego a career in engineering and instead pursue a career in vocational ministry. You know, it was, it was in a, a Bible study class, uh, a long, a long-term Bible study class, where at the moment in that particular week we were studying the book of John, and, and God grabbed my heart and said, I made you for this. You know, when things get tough in ministry, and they do at times, you know, the broom and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> but, but for real, when, when things get tough, I, gosh, I cling to that. I, I cling to the, the, the clarity of God's voice back in 1998. You know, when I'm wondering how, how in the world God is going to come through in my personal life or uh, with, with my family, I, I always reflect back on, on January 31st of 2007. That was the day my, my wife, Amy Jo, came to me and, and told me she was pregnant. Six years after we had start, started trying to have kids. I also think of... of how many times, time after time after time, God came through for us financially as, I mean, miraculously, as we were trying to, to have uh, enough money to adopt our daughter, Anna. I, I cling to those moments when, when God did miraculous things in my life. And I cling to them, especially when I'm in a dip. You know, friends, that, that is such an important practice. So I, I just want to ask you, when, when you are facing challenging circumstances, what activity of God in your life do you look back on and remember? Now think on that. Reflect on that. Reflect on what God has done and keep those instances. You've got to keep them fresh in your mind. You've got to keep them readily available because sometimes these dips, they sneak up on us. And if you really question what, what God has done in your life up to that point, then, then that's, that's uh, a good invitation to just sit down and have some, you know, kind of spiritual direction conversation so that you can have those, those things uh, readily in your mind when, uh, when you're going through difficult times. But this, this practice, you know, it, it's not just for you individually. It's also important to reflect on and remember what God has done for us collectively. And that's, that's what Habakkuk is doing. He's not just saying what happened to him. He's talking about what God had done in the history of his people. Uh, and, and so this, this uh, past couple of weeks, I have been uh, digging up and doing some research on how God has been active and alive and at work in the life of Troy United Methodist Church over the last, get this, like 200 years. Uh, none of us 
was there to remember it, uh, and nobody who's a part of our church, uh, but we would not be here today if it weren't for uh, God working through some of those early Methodist circuit riders who went around with their Bibles um, on horseback and, and came through this area with circuit riders like uh, specifically John Dew and, and Washington Ballard, and they first organized Methodist societies in the broader area of Troy um, in the early 1800s. Uh, the, the first society met in the home of John Jarvis. Um, I can only assume that that's somehow connected to the fact that this is called Jarvis Township. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, but, but they constructed a little bit later the very first small frame church building called Gilead in the, in the 1820s. Then in 1843, uh, just a little over 175 years ago, uh, the, our church was officially organized. Get this, with 17 members. 17, that's like maybe just those tables back there. Uh, just, just 17 members. And then in 1870, uh, the, the old Main Street uh, church building, uh, which is uh, presently going through transition of owners again, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, first erected. And then in 1872, a very, very famous uh, circuit, early Methodist circuit writer who started all kinds of churches in central and southern Illinois, uh, the name of Peter Cartwright. He was the one who dedicated that sanctuary in 1872. And I just, this, this week I was thinking, I, I can't imagine. Can, could they imagine just how many people in the next several generations would have their lives transformed because of their connection to this church. Could they imagine that at the time? Could they imagine that, that these days there are between five and 600 people who show up every weekend to worship as a part of our church? I don't think they could have imagined that. Uh, but, but so many lives have been transformed due in large part to the vision uh, that Troy UMC had in the, the, the early 1980s uh, when that church building was sold and and the church made the move here some of you were around for that some of you know that you remember that you were a part of that and i'm thankful for um, mr schultz who donated the land and and the many many people who sacrificed sacrificed financially and gave money to that original building project wow and i'm amazed at the stories i hear of all the blood sweat and tears that went into uh you know doing the interior of those buildings, and then building this addition in the early 90s, the Family Life Center, and, and each of the subsequent uh, building projects and additions. God has worked mightily in and through the people of this church. And, and since I've been here, it's just been two plus years, uh, but I can point to, you know, there are several things that I point to when I think about, wow, God is really moving in people's lives. You know, I think to, you know, baptism Sundays and, and Mission 1-8 and the, and the growth of our membership overall and children's ministry and journey group enrollment. You know, God, God has given us so many things that we can look back on and be thankful for. And I look back on and, and remember uh, regularly uh, so that we can have strength to make it through whatever challenges we might presently be facing. And, and if you want to find faith when you feel like you don't have any, Remember what God has already done. But that's not all. You know, when you're grasping for faith, you must also do what Habakkuk did next. Let me read the, the two, uh, the two uh, these two very powerful passages. Verse 17. 
Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You see what's going on here, I hope. Habakkuk isn't just remembering what God has done. He's also putting his trust in what God is going to do. Now, I love this. This is so powerful. Even though, he says. Can, can you say that with me? Even though. One more time. Even though. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and the vines are fruitless, even though the, the crops fail and the flocks are dying, even though everything is taken away. You know, for you, it might be even though my spouse said till death do us part and he didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Even though I haven't been able to find a job, uh, despite the fact that I put poor, uh, tons and tons of money into my education. Even though I prayed to get physically better, but things have actually gotten worse. E even though I don't understand the behavior of my kids. Even though finances are tough, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this next week and have enough to pay the power bill. You know, even though time seems to be passing me by, in this next generation, they don't really care so much about the past. Even though I don't like it. Even though I don't understand it. Even though I, I know God could and he should, but he's not. Yet. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will find joy in the God of my salvation. If you want to find faith when you have none, there's got to be an even though and a yet. You need them both. So, so let me just ask you again, when, when challenging circumstances are facing you down and you need to continue to praise God through it, what, what is your even though and your yet? Where do you need to embrace and hold on to God in the midst of trials that you never imagined that you would have to go through? You know, I, I tell you what, if you hold on if you keep clinging to God, you can experience the assurance of verse 19, the very last verse that of these, this very short book, the very last verse of what Habakkuk penned. This is what he wrote. He said, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. <laughs> I love this imagery. I mean, especially with the diagram that we've been working with. I mean, you, you, see, you see this? This kind of chapter three faith? Habakkuk is almost literally saying, God, God's gonna take me to the heights. He's my strength. He's the one who will take my faith to places it's never been before. And I believe with all my heart that he can do the same for you and me. We have to remember this. We can't go to the heights without first going through the dip. You can't get to chapter three kind of faith until you've walked through chapter one and two first. You can't find that deep, mature faith without wrestling with the hard stuff, learning to embrace God in the midst of it and waiting on God through the pain. You know, the, the truth that all the saints... I mean, really, the people who have the deep faith that we look to and we say, these, these are saints. The truth that all of the saints have learned 
before us is that God can do more spiritually in you and through you in the dips than he ever does on the mountaintops. In fact, God has done more for us in a dip like this than any of us could have possibly hoped for or imagined. Let, let me read this passage from another prophet who came a few years before Habakkuk. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Of course, this prophet, Isaiah, is talking about Jesus, the one who willingly went through the dip and willingly said, even though I will suffer and die, yet, yet I will trust my Father in heaven. And God used his willingness to go through that dip, the suffering, to bring us back to him, to save us from our sin, to save us from an eternity without hope. By his wounds we are healed, and because of what Jesus has done, we can have hope in any circumstance because we belong to God. And we're going to remember that today as a way to help us find faith even when we're struggling and we wonder if we have any at all.